Hey, it's Kirsten. Do you feel like you're spending way too much money on supplements? When I started out on my health journey, I was also shocked about how expensive high quality supplements were, especially as I was upping how many I was taking. That's why when I became a practitioner back in 2018, I started offering my clients a way to save up to 25% off many of their supplements through a company called Wellevate, which is spelled W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-E. Through Wellevate, you can order many of the supplements that you're already taking, like Pure Encapsulations, Gaia Herbs, Enzymetica, and others at discounts of up to 25% off retail. And shipping is free for orders over $49 within the United States. The only way to buy supplements through Wellevate is through a practitioner, and I will earn a small commission at no additional cost to you while you're saving money. So if you want to start saving upwards of 25% off your supplement bill, go to the resources page on my website at carefullyhealing.com forward slash resources and go to the Wellevate section. You don't have to be a client, just set up your account and start saving. I'm Kirsten Ramstrom, a certified holistic health coach, and welcome to the Quest for Healing podcast. Whether you're just starting out on your health journey or you're farther down your path, I've created this podcast to inspire and inform your health journey through first, some extraordinary healing stories from real people, second, an exploration of some intriguing healing modalities, and third, through conversations with enterprising people who are making a difference in the health of our world. Welcome to episode 71. I am so excited to have Kevin Espiritu from Epic Gardening back for this bonus episode to continue our discussion on outdoor gardening. If you missed last week's episode, you may want to go back and start with that one. It's episode number 70, and then come back to this one. We had talked all about the basics of gardening last week, and this week builds on that. This week, we talk about growing asparagus, artichokes, and celery. Kevin also tells us what his favorite thing to grow is, and I'm not going to spoil it, but it might be one of your favorite foods as well. Before we dive in, if you found these two episodes on gardening helpful or have just been enjoying Quest for Healing overall, please do me a favor and share the podcast with a friend. It would really mean a lot to me, and it is a great way to keep spreading the word and to help others find the podcast. So if you're ready to take your outdoor gardening to the next level, let's dive right into this episode. Kevin, I so appreciate you coming back to talk about some of these more specialized things because this is stuff that really matters to our community. And I know they aren't always the most common things when talking about gardening, but if there's stuff that are so near and dear to our hearts and my heart that I'm so excited to dig into this. So one of the first things I wanted to talk about, just one of the more fascinating things that my dad had in his garden was asparagus. Mm -hmm. Do you grow asparagus? So I haven't grown it yet, but I'm actually, it's on the way as we speak. So I have asparagus crowns. I'm growing them from crowns, not seeds. You could do either. Crowns are just a little faster. Um, asparagus is a vegetable that basically has, the you need the patience of growing a fruit because it really you're not going to get anything worthwhile for probably two years. And even at two years, you shouldn't harvest a ton of it. You should still let a little bit of it, you know, kind of go when you get to three years or so, then you can start harvesting. And then, then it's producing for you for two decades. And so, you know, once you get it going, you get it going, but that, that process can be a little bit tricky. Yeah. I remember when we had ours in the backyard, I don't remember how it got planted, but I don't know if dad started it by seed or if he bought some plants or whatever, but it was a whole mm -hmm. section of the garden 
that was dedicated to it. And what would happen with it is in the spring or early summer, whenever it was, I don't remember when asparagus season was, all of a sudden the little asparagus would just shoot up out of the ground Mm -hmm. and you try not to let them get too thick because they'd get a little woody, but you didn't want to get them too small either. But all of a sudden there would just be these asparagus sticking straight up out of the ground. It's not like it was attached on a separate plant and you were popping it off. The stalks just come right up out of the ground, which was always so funny. And we would go check them every day and pick the ones that were ready and we would eat those on a regular basis. But then for the ones that you missed or that just didn't look good enough to eat or whatever, we would let them go and they turn into these big fern plants. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so after the season's gone by, you it's not like you have a bare section of the garden. It's all covered in asparagus fern. Mm-hmm. And it's really quite fascinating looking. And we would just let that go. And then I don't remember if we would, you didn't till that section. That was one of the things, maybe we cut it down or something for the next season. But um, that plant would sit underground and just wait. And then the next year it would come. And to your point, those can grow for decades like that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a very productive plant once you set it up for success. Um, so provided that you like it, <laughs> which some people don't, uh, then I would say certainly it's not a beginner plant to grow just because of the time period. You know, a lot of people are renting, they might move and they're like, what did I do? Uh, but if you want to set it up, it's it's really not super challenging. It's mostly just a patience issue that, that you have to deal with. Okay. And asparagus, so many people in our community love asparagus because it's so good for your liver. It's really good for cleaning out your liver. Another plant that I've never seen grown are artichokes. And I Mm. think you've been working on artichokes, haven't you? Yeah, I got artichokes last year. They grow really well in my climate, this Mediterranean climate. It's almost the perfect climate for them. So that certainly helps me. But um, artichokes are, uh, I would say, semi-perennial. So they'll, they'll last for three years, but they'll also put out offshoots at their base that become new plants if you want them to. So Really, they could also last sort of forever, I suppose. Artichokes are really pretty simple. They grow, they're, they're a thistle-related plant. What you're eating in the artichoke, which a lot of people might not know, is you're eating basically an unopened flower. So you're trying to time it so that it doesn't open because as soon as it opens, the artichoke flower is actually very pretty. It's it's this beautiful sort of uh, purplish color and it has these a bunch of little things sticking up like a thistle. And so if you let it get to that point, you're eating sort of not a great tasting thing. We eat the sort of immature bottoms of the petals of the outer part of the flower. That's what we're eating on the artichoke. Then we eat the artichoke heart, of course, as well. But yeah, it's a really simple plant, at least in my experience, to grow. Um, it kind of just grows itself, uh, I would say. I mean, it, moderate watering, moderate light, moderate temperatures. If you can give it that, then it's, it's going to be in a good spot. And again, it's perennial and you can also let it flower. And if you want the beauty, just let it flower. Uh, Sometimes in the first year you want, you may want to just let it flower in general to let it, you know, kind of branch itself out. And then at the end of the season, you cut it almost basically all the way down to the base. So you chop all the way down and then it'll sprout again from the base and, and you've got a new plant going. One of the things I was reading on certain plants, and it's not true with every plant, and I'm wondering if it's true with this one. Sometimes the goal in the first year or two is to not harvest the plant, or sometimes you even take the flowers off Mm -hmm. so that the energy that is brewing in the plant actually goes toward sending out deeper roots. 
Is that mm -hmm. something that happens with this one? With artichoke, I would say, I mean, certainly if you were to like not harvest it at all, it would do more of that, I, I guess. But there's also the flip side argument to make where if you did harvest the flowers, it has enough, it, it does not think its life is over, right? And thus it will try to create more growth. And so there's sort of two schools of thought on that. If you remove all the fruits, for example, on, you know, I, I do this on my strawberries at the beginning of the season. So uh, I'll take the flowers off until about June and it basically forces it to grow more leaves because it has no other option, right? It's not going to put any energy into the fruit production. I do that with my citrus as well. In the first year of citrus, I took off all the fruit on all the citrus besides one because I at least wanted one. But um, yeah, I mean, it's it's become much more bushy as a result. And so, yeah, sometimes you can do that. You don't have to. Uh, I would say it's probably optimal, but Again, it's your garden. You do what you want. If you want to, if you want some strawberries, let them grow. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay, cool. Now I want to cover the thing that we all want to hear more about, and that is growing celery, which mm -hmm. I've heard that this is not the easiest thing to grow necessarily, but I wanted to get your thoughts because we buy so much celery. I probably go through personally 14 heads of celery a week. Wow. So anything I could do Mm -hmm. to try to lower my celery bill, which if you think about that, two heads a day all year, that's... It's probably a lot. <laughs> it's sort of a lot, like off the top of my head, it's it's probably somewhere between, depending on what I'm paying, $1,400 and $2,100 a year on celery. Just on celery, wow. Yeah, I mean, it, that even, even if you could grow it, that's so much celery that the space you would need would be pretty extreme, right? Absolutely. Unfortunately, it is not the easiest uh, plant to grow. So it's a very temperature sensitive plant. It does not like the heat at all. So if you grow in an area that does get too hot, I mean, you, you really just need to figure out how to plant it in an area that's cooler than that. You know, I don't know what else to say. If you're growing in, like if I'm growing celery, for example, I'm growing it through my quote unquote winter. It doesn't actually freeze here, but I have to. I mean, it's the same rule of thumb as growing my broccoli and celery and stuff. I have to grow it basically starting in November through our winter and harvest it in our spring, like right at the beginning, because that's the only time that the temperatures are cool enough. So it needs to be above 50 degrees Fahrenheit, but but not exceptionally much higher than that. Like I would say 50 to 70, maybe uh, six hours of sun. And then the things that it really wants is consistent moisture. So remember on the earlier episode, I was talking about how some plants want deep infrequent watering. Celery does not. Celery wants the soil to be moist at all times. It doesn't want any period of time where it is not. If you really think about why, it's because that's basically the whole plant. It's just basically all water. And so if you do give it a little too little water, you'll get that celery that has that hollowness in the on the inside of the structure. It's because it, it couldn't develop. And so that's, that's what you need to do. It is quite a, um, I would say quite a sensitive plant overall. Uh, you'll have to make sure the soil is really quality, you know, fertilize it, all that sort of stuff. But when you do get a nice head of celery, it is, it is a great feeling. So I, I pulled out, I, I grew a massive one a couple of years ago. I haven't grown it since just because in my climate, it's just somewhat difficult, but um, yeah, it's very satisfying when you pull it out. I bet I've seen some pictures of people with like monster yeah two and three foot tall heads of celery and i'm like i wouldn't need two a day if my mine were that big <laughs> yeah no kidding right 
And are there different varieties of celery, some that are easier to grow than others? Yeah, I mean, I would say there's not like the breadth of variety in celery that there would be in tomatoes, but there certainly is. I mean, you you can grow pink celery if you want to. That's out there, which I I suppose would probably have more um, whatever that antioxidant is called that is pink. What is that one called? Starts with an A. But anyways, anthocyanins, there you go. And more anthocyanins, uh, I suppose it would have more of those, but, um, yeah, I mean, there's definitely different varieties you can grow. There's some that are probably more adapted to, uh, hotter climates or maybe more drought. I wouldn't know the names off the top of my head, but you can do some Googling and figure them out. But yeah, it, maybe there is, but I would say generally it's probably still a pretty sensitive plant to grow. Okay. One of the other tricks that I have seen people try is taking the base of the celery that they bought at the store Mm. and trying to plant that. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Should that work? Um, If you're planting it, then yeah, it will work. If you're putting it in, a lot of people just, you see that hack and they put it just in a basin of water. It's not super helpful because where's the nutrient coming from? You know, there's no soil. So you can do it. I would say what it will want to do if you do that is it will want to go to seed instead of uh, producing much more bushy, you know, stalks, because it knows that it isn't the original celery. It knows that when it got harvested, it's trying to sort of sprout again. And it's last chance to throw out some seed to propagate itself is basically that moment. So yeah, you can get some celery out of that. I wouldn't say it's like a super high yield thing, but if you have a bunch of celery bottoms, why not try it? Put it in some containers, maybe. I just wonder if you let them go to seed over time, if that would just essentially repropagate and plant more seeds in the area and let the natural seeds grow. Yeah, I would say provided the environment they're landing in is conducive, then yeah, that could definitely work. For most of us, it's probably not the case though, you know? Okay. And that would probably take a while. That would take quite a while. Yeah, exactly. Because okay. they would they would sit there, they would do nothing until the next season, then they would sprout, you know, it'd be this sort of typical annual life cycle of a plant. So I would say you're better off growing from seed if it, or honestly, probably buying even buying from starts would be cheaper if you could successfully grow it. So you could buy a bunch of celery starts in those six packs for like four bucks a six pack. And that's going to produce one head, right, each, ideally larger than the ones you get at the store. So you're getting them for less than a buck but you got to grow them. So it's a trade-off, you know? <laughs> right. You've got to grow them and you got to watch the water. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're definitely familiar with the underwatered ones. We get those at the store periodically. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. Everybody goes bananas on Facebook. when We see those because they're like mealy and gross. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I think this whole thing is fascinating because I never understood why when people were trying to plant the basis of the celery, they would end up with this super leafy, piece that would grow out of the middle and everybody would say, I don't know why this doesn't work. But to your point, it's trying to see because it's trying to propagate itself. So that's fascinating. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So what are some of the things that are your favorites to grow? Uh, well, I love growing potatoes. I really love potatoes. I love eating them and I love growing them. So problem solved. It's, it's actually a really easy crop to grow. It's called a pioneer crop. So it, oftentimes you can put it into bad soil and it can help kind of break that soil up and improve it. Um, I found that to be the case with my clay soil. So potatoes, I love, I really love growing garlic, any allium crop I, I, I adore. So, you know, garlic for me is my favorite of those. So I have 200 something garlic heads in the backyard right now, 
hopefully I'll get a great harvest in summer. And what else? I, I grew loofah. Uh, most years I grow loofah. So like shower sponge basically is what that becomes. So I, I have enough shower sponge that I could shower the rest of my life right now if I want to. And you can, you, you can pour soap into that and make like a scrub bar or whatever. Well, that's so fascinating. I always thought that came out of the ocean. Well, that's the trick is that it does. There's a shower sponge product that comes from the ocean. That's actually literally a sponge animal. And then there's the loofah sponge, which is that fibrous looking one. It's really confusing because they're both kind of called the same thing, but yeah, you're, you're not wrong at all. Uh, there is one that's like that. Yeah. So loofah and for me, like peppers, tomatoes, a lot of the summer crops, I really enjoy uh, much more than the fall crops. Cause I'm not huge, excuse me, personally on cauliflower, broccoli, kales. I, I don't mind them, but if I had to choose, I would go with the summer stuff. Uh, corn. I love growing corn. Corn's really fun to grow. Corn is just a grass. That's the interesting thing about it. It's a grass that we have selectively bred over thousands of years to have way more of the seeds at the top, which is, which is really the case with most of the plants we grow is crazy. Like you talk about cauliflower, kohlrabi, cabbage, Brussels sprouts, and broccoli is literally the same species. They're all the exact same species. They're just been, it's almost like breeding, you know, animals. Uh, you've selectively highlighted a particular part of the plant and forced it to kind of display that characteristic. So those are all the same exact species. Uh, we've just sort of selected for, you know, for kohlrabi, the big, big base for, for cauliflower, the fact that there's no chlorophyll basically in, in the flower head, you know, so. And that's why it's white versus the green and broccoli. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so fascinating. And I think you had said cabbage is in that too. Cabbage is, is in that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. I was going to say, cause I remember my dad grew literally everything you just mentioned. And I remember how sometimes I couldn't tell what was what. At the start, especially. Yeah. At the start, you really can't. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what's your favorite variety of potatoes? We are big potato eaters here. Oh yeah. Okay. So for production, um, there's one called Norland Red that's re just to me really easy to grow. I have not grown the like classic like russet potato, but I do like it if you're having like a hash brown, then that's like the one you want to use because the reds are too waxy. I mean, Norland Red is the one I would say has been the most successful for me. Okay. Yeah. But there's like tons of potato. I mean, talk about varieties. There's like hundreds of potato varieties you could grow if you wanted to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The one that my dad always loved was the Yukon Gold. Oh yeah, that's because great. they make great mashed potatoes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, I've grown I've grown Yukon Golds. Uh, the company I get mine from, I believe, is called Wood Prairie Farms, and so they do some really interesting ones like Huckleberry Gold or um, Yukon. Uh, they have a, they have a modifier on the Yukon. I forgot the name, but they just have some really unique varieties. Blue ones you can grow and it's all blue. You know, it still tastes like a potato. So, yeah. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Well, Kevin, thank you for doing this little bonus episode. Yeah. This has been absolutely fantastic and so much fun to talk with you. And I really appreciate your time. Hey, thank you so much. This was fun. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. Just like last week, I've included in the show notes the links to Kevin's preferred organic seed companies, plus a discount code for his favorite raised beds. So follow the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify in order to see the show notes. And you can also find them on my website at carefullyhealing.com forward slash podcast. 
In our next episode, I interview an absolutely incredible woman who overcame an HPV and cervical cancer diagnosis, much to the shock and surprise of her medical team. So please tune in for that. Hey, it's Kirsten. Before I started out on my health journey, I didn't know how poisonous many of the cleaners I used in my home were. Then when I started trying to clean the toxins out of my body, I started to question if the cleaners I was using were just adding back more. And how does that make sense when we're using toxic chemicals to get things clean? So imagine how excited I was when I found non-toxic, fragrance-free, essential oil-free branch basics cleaners. Now I use them for many things around my house, including scrubbing my kitchen and bathroom, cleaning my juicer, and as the laundry detergent for cleaning my clothes. Plus, it's also the soap that I use to wash my fruit because it's also sodium laurel sulfate-free. So check out branchbasics.com. Their starter kits make it so easy to get started and you can use my code carefullyhealing, which is all one word, for 15% off your purchase. And because I always want to be upfront with you, this is an affiliate link, so I will earn a small commission if you buy using my code. But I only recommend this product because I love it and use it myself. So if you're ready to start cleaning your home with a healthier cleaner, go to branchbasics.com.